Before we play you this week's podcast, we just wanted to tell you that tickets have now gone on sale for QPR Podcast Live. We think it's our seventh or eighth live podcast. Every year we get together at the end of the season with a live studio guest in front of a live audience. Previous guests have included Neil Warnock, Trevor Sinclair, Mark Bircham, Lee Cook, various others. Uh, names will be announced in due course, uh, but you can get your tickets. They're £10 in advance. We're ha- holding the live podcast at the Roundhouse in Camden. And if you go onto our website, qprpod.co.uk, click at the top on QPR Podcast Live. You can join us there on Tuesday, the 8th of May. Welcome to the QPR Podcast. I'm David Fraser. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about because we haven't been on for two weeks. Uh, we've had a couple of games um, uh, uh, and quite an eventful fortnight. I, as I've said, I'm David Fraser. I'm joined with, there are three other QPR fans tonight. There is co-founder of the QPR Podcast, Paul Finney. Thank you for reminding me of your week. That's all right. Uh, we also have Ross Norville with us. Thanks for Hi, Ross. Again. Good to see you again. And Mark Dugan. Good to be back. Um, right, lots to talk about. Um, just to kind of remind you, as we do every week, if you want to listen to any old episodes, go onto our website at qprpod.co.uk, where you can also now buy tickets for our live end-of-season podcast. Go on the website and you'll see it there. We'll talk more about that later. Um, and any comments, any way that you want to interact with us, follow us on Twitter at qprpod. Right. Okay, so since that there's Neil, the engineer, who's always very concerned about sound, but not too concerned to open a can of Coke and 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 play the sort of ring Is pull the across the whole of the podcast. Podcast I've ever done without any cider or beer. Everyone's having. There's a no. Coffee. There's no alcohol at all. This, Is it, there? It's like being a. So if we go around the table, we have Mark has coconut water and tea. That's so Notting Hill. <laughs> Billy, you're one of us. You know, you, know, you, you were, you were there. You got coconut water yeah. though. Yeah, you got you got taking your medicine now. Tea. You got you got a cup of tea in 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 cardboard cups. Yeah. We should say, which makes it a bit more real than the coconut water. I've got a cup of tea, Finney. You've got a coffee, but it is like an espresso coffee. Is so it? He, yeah. I Even so. you've changed a little bit. Ross has got a cup of tea and there's a can of Coke. Why is it, there's no booze? Because it's basically the first day after the bank holiday weekend, right? And I was driving here. And, um, yeah. Do you know, it's really weird driving here. I've noticed some really strange named pubs around the Holloway area. And then I ended up coming past the Emirates. Yeah. You know, you do that little yeah. thing. Yeah. God, it's dull around there, isn't it? Yeah, the Emirates. Although, so we, we, for those who can't see where we are, which is everyone who listens, uh, we are about 200 yards from the Emirates yeah. uh, on the Holloway Road. This is near where I work, or, or it is where I work. I saw Charlie George today. No. He was in the CAF for lunch. He obviously does something at the Emirates, because I went to the CAF right by the Emirates. He obviously works there as a sort well, of... Wenger's going to rejig prof- his front Professional line. legend, basically. And he comes in, and he walks into the CAF with the sun, with his newspaper, and all the staff, in a, a call goes around the CAF, get Charlie his tea, Charlie's here, get him his tea. So... Do you know what's really weird as well? Anyway, we are QPR. We're no. not an Arsenal podcast. Before but we, that happens before when we talk in the pub as well. Yeah, we, I bet it does. Before I we talk about Rangers, 
Like, is it just me or is Premiership fans like I don't off the top of my head, Chelsea and Arsenal just so pathetic? <laughs> I mean, you know, Arsenal fans aren't even bothered to turn up, and they're they they they're, they're still no sixty thousand is on the gate every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and um and and how many seats? When when yeah. when hilariously them lot down the road lost to um Tottenham three one. They're all putting their season tickets on via GoGo and so forth and everything else because they won't have the Champions League next season, so they can't possibly watch Chelsea if they're not in the Champions League. It's just not right. You told me a great story, actually. Do you want to tell it to everyone else who's listening about <laughs> yeah. the guy in the picture? Um, I got sent a picture of uh, this is the Deli Alley, Alley celebrating with a load of people in the crowd. Four two-finger salutes. You know, the, uh, yeah. the Asian lady giving the double bird was a, was a right classic. Um, there was a guy in the background with a pair of glasses on being held back by his friends. And uh, 15 minutes after, like, in a group chat, QPR group, laughing at it, I've walked into a pub and this guy's there, just about <laughs> to get chucked out of the pub I was in in Clapham. So, so I was just, like, obviously pissing myself because they were still very, very bitter about what happened and it was just so lovely. Yeah. I love this. I will we'll get to keep you outside, but I do love the radio for this. I mean, I mean, you know, this is not right. We're Chelsea. Yes, and you were shite for 40 years. Don't worry about it. It's where you belong. You're going back to your rightful place. It's being shite. Well, they're not going to win the league again for it a while because it's not leaving Manchester for about the next 10 years, is it? Let's face right. it. And, and, and also, them not more than about City spend the money, which is obscene. But them not, huh, they yeah. started this. Yeah, it's only market rates. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- shall we maybe yes. possibly yes. talk about Queen's laugh, Park though. Rangers? It did make me laugh. And I was singing the blues. I have been. So, two games... Since we last recorded, Reading, I think Ross, when I sent you the running order for today, I said Fulham, didn't yeah, I? I realised that. Yeah. I realised that half like midway through the afternoon, we need to talk about the Fulham game. We don't need to talk about the Fulham game. We've done Fulham. Uh, Reading and Norwich, where do you want to start? I suppose if we go chronologically. Oof. <laughs> I like what you just threw in the Reading. dictionary at me. Where would you like to start with Reading, Paul? Um, I would like to start with the team you should have started with, but never mind. I mean... Mark, well, let's start with the team we should have started with. Well, so, I, I would have kept for the argument the for the prosecution is I would have I would have kept the same team that played at Fulham purely because I want to keep that run going, and we looked hungry and we looked like we could do something, and it it just seems to me to keep tinkering as we said on Friday. Mark was it just seemed a bit daft, um, and it didn't pay off. We played a really really awful Reading team, and we should have hammered them with so much possession, so much shots. We should have killed him. We didn't. What was that as well with Reading fans? One nil in your big day out. When has it ever been a big day out in Reading? Do you know what I mean? Even when they have the festival. I mean, what are they talking about? There's 6,000 fans against Sheffield United the other week and 2,000 for them with Sheffield United. Anyway, deluded beyond belief. And um, didn't think that we deserved to lose, but then that's life. But he, he, he has obviously tinkered with Monday's match in mind, but I've always believed consistency... Before everything else. But he shoved those words down my throat yesterday. So that was the argument for the prosecution on the team selection. The argument for the defence was, easy wasn't well. Luongo had played two international games in a week. Smith can't play two games in three three Mm. days. So they rested him for the home game. And there was someone else. Someone else. Uh, Manning. Manning Manning had been around. He played two under 21 games. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't do reasonable arguments. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, fair enough. But, you know, and then we, we, we brought Ezzy on and we, we, we finished with a team we probably should have started with. Didn't understand Washington starting because 
Whether we like it or not, it's not going to work out for the fella. And he does try his hard out, and he does do I'll tell you why we was all really, really, really frustrated, because at Fulham, it was such a great feeling when we equalised. Mm. We played so well, you know, for us to come out in that second half and, and completely hammer them like we did. And it was such a great feeling after. I know it was only a draw, but it really set the tone for, mm. and, you know, and we played exactly, we played as well at Reading, but it was frustrating because we all want to feel like that again, we, that buzz, you know, that's why we go every week. That's the best we can hope for as QPR fans, really, isn't it? But you always it's those that. moments during the season. And but, do you know what I wanted? We wanted that again because we felt like it was within our grasp. Such a winnable game. And yeah. Do you, know I, do you know what I hate now? It's starting to drive me mad. You know these games where we get a big away support? I feel like shut the train doors and not letting anyone out so we need three or four people in the stadium. Because every time we take a big away support, after something like Fulham and that there, it goes pear-shaped. Like the time we beat Man United 4-1. Gordon get absolutely tanked by Southampton in the FA Cup a few days later when everyone's gone, Fick, we beat Man U. This is brilliant. Ah, shape back to the same old Rangers. And the, and the thing is, the, the support was brilliant. I mean, we outsang them, which is not really that hard because most of them came as chairs. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting... It's yeah. yeah, you're all right. Yeah. Um, it also got me thinking as well as, you know, we are more or less trying to rejig as well for next season. I, I do understand what Holloway's doing. I mean, I'm just wondering when they're going to give him a new contract and how that's going to go down when it happens on Twitter. Because he's going to be here next season. He'll probably get a two-year deal, I'd imagine. And it'll probably be done in the next couple of days or weeks or whatever. But he's here to stay. Um, we've just got to see, hopefully, where the, the club go. Because the average age of the team's gone down so much now, it's actually very exciting. Yeah, mm. but for me, if they're going to give him a new contract, they need to appoint an experienced and wise head as his number two. Wherever he's gone, he's had, like Walnock, everyone loves Walnock, mm-hmm. but Walnock, when he's been successful, has had has had Jules. a good number two. He's had Black... He could have... Uh, when he was Blackwell and Jones, didn't yeah. he? Mm, Keith Curl, people who get winners with us, players who know <coughs> the player's mm. mentality. Mm. With Holloway, when he was successful with us, he had Kenny Jacket. And oh, Tim Jacket was a brilliant player. Yeah, but as soon as Jacket went... So did the performances. But didn't the same he... Way. Hang on, though. In 2002, though, he was a relatively inexperienced manager, so didn't he need that experience number two? Doesn't it stand to reason that 15 years later, he is the experienced one, and therefore he can have a, a junior, more junior number two? No, what they need... It's like Walnut. They need a wise football head. Holloway, similar character. You know, there are... Holloway and Birchin, and, you mean? And Holloway and Warnock, similar right. characters. You know, in front of the camera, they're brilliant. They're there on a the touchline. They're giving it all the verbals. You know, you're, you're going to die for them and run through walls for the manager. But what they've always had is a decent experience. Sounds stuff that we've improved. Our performance have improved since Chris Ramsey stepped in. I was going to say that. Mm. Big, uh, big Chris question. Ramsey, not a manager, not a head coach, but as a number two, he, he's really good. He's experienced. He knows how to do the day-to-day on the coaching, on the training ground um, stuff. He does all of that. Bertram does it, but Ramsey's got the... He's been there, done it, got the T-shirt, read the book as a coach. I don't buy that, personally. I mean, you know, know, I just don't buy it. I mean, like... Which part Which part don't you buy? As in Ramsey's made a difference to to the way we're playing. For me, it's as simple as moving to a back four. And it's, it, we moved, we how do you know that wasn't Ramsey's influence? Um, yeah, well, that's, well, no one knows. Yeah, I was yeah. Saying, for me, that, it's that's just, no one he's, knows. 
we've moved to the back four since Ramsey came in. It's probably nothing to do with it, but it just seems a bit... But it also seems daft because Ramsey was the one pushing for 3-5-2. I think, to be fair to, to Ramsey, if I'm going to be honest, we have to give him some credit because William's manager, and I've hammered him as well like everyone else did, but it's interesting how after the Forest match things have tightened up the defence. It's better playing mm. 4-4-2. Furs has become a much better player. So has Bidwell. And it's interesting because how it worked before was Fleming worked with the defence. Bertram worked with the um, midfield. And I have no idea who was working with the strikers, but I think it might be Mr. Magoo. For the old listeners, that's a cartoon character. Um, so, yeah. Do you know but, who Mr. Magoo is, Mark? Um, no, I don't. Mark is a youngish fellow, probably the youngest one around the table. No idea who Mr. Magoo is? No. I've got to tell you, it's before my time as well. But oh, keep it, it current, Paul. All right. Go on. Show your age, mate. Yeah. All right. Eddie the Eagle? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Eddie the Eagle is our strikers coach. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll give you that. Ding, carry on. Thank you. But I I do think Ramsey, like you said, is experienced. But also, he's kind of he's done his apprenticeship at QPR now. He now knows the inside workings of the club. He probably knows it's more insane than he ever thought when he first came. And I think he should take credit. And I think, to be honest with you. That's a good thing to do because if we get someone like Chris in who can... Because you do, you're, you're right, Holloway needs someone to calm him down because he's like a jack-in-the-box and someone needs to say this. Like, Jacket used to... Say, I think Ross said sorry, that. You're looking at me, sorry. but Ross said it. I'm cross, yeah. I don't look at yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think you used to watch his touchline, Jacket would pull Holloway back sometimes, yeah. especially with substitutions and just calm it down, yeah. wait another minute and then proceed. And I think that's what we need. And you're quite right. He does need a strong number two. He's... Some, like you say, as a motivator, like Warnock, motivators, they're brilliant. There's no one better than them. But as a football brain, they do lack it. But whether, you know, whether it's Ramsey, Paul Clement, Steve McLaren, who's out of work, like Redknapp. Mm. Our best football we played under Redknapp was when Steve, Steve McLaren, McLaren was on. You're not going to Steve McLaren. No, no, but I'm just saying, it's, it's, that, it's that sort of character is what we're I after. do agree. I, I don't disagree. I, I just think at the moment, I, I think... During that horrible, like it was a hard winter. It was really tough, and that, you know, I kind of last time I came onto the pod, I was we just had a couple of good wins against the top two Wolves oh, and Sheffield United. Oh. And I probably got a little bit carried away because I was excited. You know, just long season ahead. You think you know we could have a good season here, could surprise us. You know, um, you foolish man. We had a real hard winter there, um, but we seem to have come out of it the other side, and we're starting to play some entertaining stuff now. Um, in the middle of winter, I would have, I would have been. Obliged to say, you know, in the summer we shake hands with Holloway and, you know, someone else comes in mm-hmm. and we move on. But now, if we can continue this form into the summer, then absolutely he deserves to carry this team forward. I think I feel the same. Um, Do you but, not think as well that bringing Manning back into the side has been. We said this a few weeks ago in the podcast, I think actually, I don't know if it's you or I, but I'm going to take the credit, said it, bringing him in, and he's come in and he's been brilliant. He was very stop-start, wasn't he? Cause he He's come back well while, from that red card. And then he had a red card as soon as he came yeah. back. But that's then... probably frustration. You know, you've seen so many games like the sidelines and you just want to make your mark. And Imagine he... what that goal against Villa would have done to his confidence. Imagine what it would do. Because he left John Terry on his arse. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But, Paul, regardless of what you think of him, John Terry is an icon of the modern game. He's an arse. And a top, top defender. No, but imagine if you're a midfielder, young midfielder, trying to make your way into the team, whatever he is 21 years old and you beat John Terry to score a goal at Villa Park one of the most iconic grounds in the country it's gonna, you're going to be flying after that aren't you yeah, of course and, you and are he can't, and he has been but he scored two goals with headers yeah he scored for Ireland three in, foot two in the break as well he scored for the Republic and he, set up, he set one up as well I've seen that into it. He's, listen he's a good player he just needs the confidence and I think the, the great thing about this 
FFP if we are going to take anything good about it and the sudden decline in our spending, which is not a bad thing because anyway, so shout at it, um, is that they get the young youngsters are getting a go. They are coming through. We have no choice. You know, and I just want the crowd to still be patient with them because there's still a few people around me that moan when the kids do something wrong. And you can't do that. I mean, you're starting your career. You've got, I mean, Thornhill's took a lot of stick, but if the season was longer, I'm sure he'd be up there for man of the, match, man of the season. Same as Joel Lynch with, with Anua. Solid yesterday mm. because I've had that, the back four has played consistently as well. And that's another thing mm. that's good. Having the same consistent back four. Week in, week out. Agreed. Yeah. And that has been a massive thing. And Lynch has improved a lot as well. I, I mean, we could go throughout the team, I think, you know, against the whole back four. Bidwell, you know, he's, he's been better, but he's a left back. He's playing in the position he, you know, it's not square pegs and round holes anymore. It's, you know, and we just look better for it. And whilst you're talking about Bidwell, let's talk about the penalty. Well, do you know what? I knew he was going to miss. Because they did everything they possibly could. They were literally kicking the ball away, starting fights in the centre circle, walking into Bidwell, the keeper was in his face. Was all the, and Why did he take it? According because to no one else. According to Mark no Bertram, he's up, number yeah. two. But to number be, two penalty take taker. Yeah, so, Connor Washington's number one. He was off. Uh, yeah, and Jake Bidwell's number two. He scored from the penalty spot before for us. And he was also, I think, number two penalty taker at Brentford. Right. But in, in all honesty, though, I mean, you were there, Mark, as well. I don't blame Bidwell for... The intimidation was shocking. You know. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, they kept on throwing the ball away and it was, it was injury time. And I mean, we, we'd just spent the whole second half camped in their half. You know, mm. I think they, had, they didn't have a shot in the second half, I don't think. Um, we were literally just camped out in their half. Every time the ball got cleared, I knew it was picking it up and, and distributing it out wide. And we, we, just, we just couldn't get that final ball in. Um, Smith needed to come on earlier if we wanted to really get the result. Um, uh, it, was just, it was just one of those days. You we knew we could do it. I mean, it, you're, like, you're right, the second half, it was so quiet that Smithies buggered off, went to Nando's next door and got himself some of the eight because he had nothing to do. But I would have, I would have changed penalty because it was too, he was standing there for way too long. You could see it was getting to him. Um, he should have been hooked, maybe give one of the youngsters a go. But it's history. And maybe that performance brought the performance that we've seen yesterday, which is probably the best of the season. Yeah, I mean, Ollie will feel validated now. In his decisions with the team on Friday, he'll mm. he'll, he'll feel validated that we know mm-hmm. that our, our best win of the season. Yeah, you know, was, so definitely. What was interesting today, I read today this morning, Holloway said that the formation that Norwich started the game with caught them by surprise, which it did. First yeah. half, we were mm. poor. Poor first half, we were sitting so deep. Second half, after the goal, after they scored, all of a sudden Luongo and Scowen suddenly started playing on the halfway line instead of between the two centre-backs, which is what they did for the first 25 minutes. And as soon as we started doing that, we were a different team. As they suddenly started to get into the game, so they moved him out wide, moved him out wide left, which took him out of the firing line. They moved Freeman into the middle of the park, which mm. got Freeman involved, because Freeman, again, had done a lot of huffing and puffing and step-overs and stuff. Had never done, didn't do anything. But then as soon as they scored, it seemed to wake us up. They seemed to have a tweak it, and then all of a sudden... It was like watching Brazil. Alan Brazil, but Brazil. We're on to Norwich then. It was not like watching Alan Brazil. I could vouch for that. Alan Brazil was awful. Anyway, so I go on. Oh, sorry, David, I'm being old again. What? What? No, no. no. Alan Brazil <laughs> I know is Alan Brazil, Alan Brazil hosts uh, a talk show inferior to this one, but hosts it nonetheless, doesn't he? Yeah, I've, yeah. he's talk radio with Joey Barton. That's yeah, hilarious, no, by the way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Joey um, Barton, <laughs> getting all high and moral about things. 
Hmm. Well, let's quickly, we are late for our, our interview, but let's do a couple of minutes on, on Norwich yesterday. Well, look what you just did there. What? Did like a bit of a Norwich accent going on there. Oh, no, 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 no. Not that, intentional. Was, that was not intentional whatsoever. As he um, comes driving through in his tractor. What do you no, think? Opposite. What, 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 what do you think on yesterday? Best performance of the season, faultless second half. The ins- I mean, I don't know what game the manager was watching. He said long ball, he's talking rubbish. Norwich manager. Yeah, because mm. that was just the most perfect. I mean, the one goal goal was one of the best goals I've seen at Rangers. The actual work, the intensity of the passes, how we, the build-up, everything was perfect. And the finish was just marvellous. Marvellous it was. And I was, I was purring with happiness. I was like a cat on top of the mill. God, I said, like a man from... So, so uh, I just, I guess, as a sort of hope, semi-interesting insight, a, a pal of mine, his brother plays for Norwich. I won't say who. I know this. Just in case you get me. trouble. Uh, um, and I asked him what he thought, because he was at the game. I mean, they've got their own problems uh, anyway. And, and I think... I don't think they like the manager. No. <laughs> Let's say that. Um... He said, Easy, Luongo and Smith were brilliant. Your three best players, loved them. Easy got so much energy. They were the difference and Smith bullying our defence all day uh, kind of really got things going for us. QPR should have scored more. The thing I don't understand, Ross, right? Have you ever seen a player like Matt Smith do his own assist and then score, but then also leave their defender in basically a situation where he's going to have to retire after that turn he did. I've never seen that. No, but it was... Marvellous it was. Smith's goal was brilliant because he didn't give up. Whereas yeah. we've seen it before, like say before Christmas, you saw him and you were, he, he'd have a shot and then they stand there and admire a shot that's going 20 yards wide or trickling towards the goal but he didn't he kept on going I actually missed the goal because I turned around in sheer frustration that he'd just stopped a scowling bullet from going in uh. <laughs> so I turned around in total frustration I turned around and the ball was in the net Hello, said uh, that the, the, the keeper was flapping like a pigeon and patching do you know what I mean like do you did you get that one yes no I don't yeah. get it it's a drink in Ireland it's particularly am I going to shut up now oh. so we don't know. So, here's a question. Is Matt Smith in with a shout for our player of the year? No. no. The reason why I say that is his stats indicate he's having an extremely good season. The one stat I don't have is how many games he's played, but he doesn't play every game. No. And he has been involved in nine goals and nine assists, which is over a third of our goals. So he has been, he has been involved in pushing on for 40% of all our goals. And the type of striker he is, he's not a t- never going to be 20-goal-a-season striker. He, that's above par, isn't it, for the sort of striker he is? You, yeah, you'd expect him to get double figures. Like low double figures, 10, 12, between 10 and 15 goals a season if he's playing every match of the and, season. And he's going to set, he's going to have assisted as many goals as that mm. as well. Yeah. Is he, is he kind of being looked at, is his contribution being judged harshly because there's such slim pickings for us up front and because he's perhaps not playing with the right partner up front? I think so. I think we've found the balance behind him, which, which, you know, easy's come into the team and, it's just the midfield balance. The players are interchangeable. You know, it's, uh, all the players are swapping around different positions. You know, mm. Easy's moving around. He's next one minute he's on the wing. You just don't know where these players are picking the ball up. Freeman just seems to have a free role every single game. Yeah. Um, sometimes it doesn't work for him, but you know, I thought yesterday he was great again. 
Yeah, but it's like Smith for up until well, first half of the season, Smith was the big lump up front who Anura, Lynch, Robinson, Smithies mm. kicked it to. They just lumped it to him, and which is what made football exactly, soul destroying yeah, when that was yeah. happening. Which is going to affect his um, ability and his contribution to the side. Because if you're just lumping it up to him, you're not sitting there like yesterday. Brilliant, mm. you know, man in a match could have been anyone from what well, any of them. Yesterday. Well, it was just a good performance. Good to see it, and it was entertaining, and that's what and that's what we want to see at the end of yeah. the day. You know, if we're, if we're going to be mid-table and we're going to restructure the club and stuff, we want the football to be half decent at least. You know, it's, and yesterday was great. You know, I think obviously we, we, with the run-in last year, I think we need to go into the next few games. You know, let's just not take anything for granted. Let's keep it going, lads. You know, just going to the summer with some optimism for next season, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's QPR, there's guaranteed something to go full flat in their face, but it's looking good. Uh, talking about man of the season, or player of the season, I would say you've got an interesting one, because first half of the season, I would have said Smithies head and shoulders with Skern, and I think now you've got to be looking at Smithies. Um, Luongo. Luongo. Think scoring, yeah. Um, Luongo, you put me off, sorry. And Furs has been brilliant, but you can't ignore Nua. He's been oh, Robinson. Last few months. I'll tell you what, it's, it's been superb. Oh, yeah, Robinson. Yeah. Robinson. But I think the thing with Robinson, I don't think he's going to resign. That, well, that doesn't mean you don't give him. No, no but it no. was interesting what Holloway said. I think it was Saturday. He said after the Reading game that he has now decided what players are being kept mm. and it will be noticed in the teams that he picks. Mm. There you go. Yeah, so it's. So I, I it, haven't heard that. I haven't seen It was in one of the papers on the weekend. That's interesting. So, mm. I so, mean, I would keep a newer, and if we have to let Robinson go in terms of to keep the wage bill down, so be it. I, I'm not sure we're going to have a massive choice on whether we let Robinson go or not. It's whether Robinson lets us go, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, more than likely. Uh, interview. Interview time. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a bit worried about this one. You know, I think in eight years we've had three people bail on us. I just have the feeling that this. He's not going to pick up the phone, Steve Wicks. But let's be positive, Paul. Mm. For people who haven't seen Steve Wicks play, mm. and when and and I'm going to be mass. I'm building up the jeopardy here by will he pick up the phone? Won't he pick up the phone? But presuming he does, just give us a bit of an intro to Steve Wicks because he hasn't played he played for QPR sort of 25, 30 years ago. I think what you've got to remember about Steve Wicks is that he was again one of the people who came into the side. Put, People didn't probably know much that much around him about him and everything else, and was an absolute legend at the back. Um, you know, but then that time, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd Hazel, you'd Wicks, and all these people that were just even in the seventies before that. Well, we were so good with these centre halves, and then you had Macca, who was probably based this game around Wicks a lot when he was coming through and seeing what was going on. So, yeah, eyes are blue, six foot two, he's coming after you, and not many people got past him either. Hopefully, he's on the line now. Six foot two, as a blues, blue won't pick up the phone to you. That no. well. It's weird how my gut feeling on it was right. I'm not the sort of person that has an amazing gut feeling, but I just knew he wasn't going to pick big up. Enough. And it's big enough. Well, there there goes our third or fourth guest in eight years who Which didn't pick bad. up the phone. It isn't bad. It isn't bad. Uh, one of them was Clint Hill this season who did have the flu and then did subsequently make up for it. Yep. Um... 
But yeah, he wasn't there. Who's the he most famous there. that has bill donors? I can't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I think maybe Neil Warnock did once. Oh, but yeah. It doesn't happen very often. It happens no. about once anyway, every two years on average. If you're listening, Steve, we still love you. We still think you're a great player. Please come on another time. So Steve Wicks didn't show. No. Um, but I suppose one of the things that we were going to ask him about was with his, he obviously has a connection with the other lot uh, down the road. As does uh, Ray Wilkins, who isn't isn't very well. Has a is often. I actually thought with both of them, um, they're very associated with Chelsea. But actually, Ray Wilkins played as many games. I think there's maybe one or two in it. Ray Wilkins played as many games for QPR as he did for Chelsea. And we're all. And Mark, you're probably a bit too young, maybe, to have actually seen him. In that era, but dare I say it, the rest of us did, and obviously we wish Ray all the best, and our thoughts are with him. But it's it's been really, um, it's been it, it's hit the sort of QPR fan base quite hard. There's been a lot of people say, uh, saying a lot of um, uh, kind of showing a lot of memories about Ray, hasn't yeah. there, Ross? Yeah, um, Wilkins was captain of the team that when I really, really, really started following. Like mm. QPR when she started going regularly mm. <clears throat> and he just made it look so easy but it was also the first time I ever saw anyone really swear and use the C word on a football pitch at QPR when he told he had a right old go at Kenny Sanson things you just don't forget so yeah he, Kenny Sanson misplaced the pass and he got called everything mm. and it's like Ray Wilkins swearing he's used the C word I mean I was lucky enough to see him I was quite young I started going when I was six so you know I've been going quite a while now um, so obviously the '92 season, first Premier League season, you know. Oh, you did see him. Yeah. Oh, if, sorry. Oh, if it, no, no, no. It's fine. I look older than you know. You keep telling you, me I'm a you look look like younger. a young man, so uh, you know I'll take that. How old are you? Thirty-three. Oh, you're not that young. I'm mm. sorry for calling you no, young. No, no, no. Sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> you're not that young. Forget that. You can't take it back that, now. Strike that from you the can't record. Take Anyone listening who's 34, we do apologise. <laughs> was I one of those guys who was like, you're young, you're young? You, no, you, no, you just fine. look a bit oh, no, young. I didn't know yeah, what yeah. to, you know, yeah, I'll yeah. take it. Okay. But um, no, I, you know, that, night, that first Premier League season, if he didn't get injured I, that year, I just think we may have been, you know, maybe preferred or something. Mm. You know, he got injured, he was out for about 12 games. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that was the first season that I really sort of like, I fully remember. And that was just incredible. Some of the results that year, you know, way to Everton, you know, mm. the, the, the two Les Ferdinand hat-tricks in two days, you know, what a great season. Um, the thing is with Ray, it was, I think as I grew into adulthood, I never really accepted him because of his Chelsea links. Mm. But reading all the messages over the last few days, I've realised actually... It was a big part of our mm. football club, so you know he's the first player because I, I, I was also, I suppose, a, I don't know, teenager or whatever I was that ninety-two, three season, twelve or thirteen. He's the first player I remember, no, like noticing that he was genuinely two-footed. He could take a free kick with either foot. He could take a corner with either foot. And I don't think I'd ever seen it before. I loved Andy Sinton, but he didn't. He had a he had an okay right foot, but he was a left-footed player. I loved David Bardsley, right-footed player, but Ray could do everything. He yeah, could but ping he also ball anywhere. Made it look easy. It's like when we signed him, it was Ray Wilkins was known as the crab because yeah. when he played for England in the '86 World Cup, he was like scowling. Or as people were saying yesterday, 
um, like Manning gets the ball, passes sideways. Mm. Possession football, possession football. He wasn't like that by the time when he came to us. us you no. know, thirty yard, forty yard passes and slipping balls through into Ferdinand and Bradley Allen and yeah. Kevin. Gatt- you just sat there watching it, and it was just. But how old was he when he joined us? He was yeah, he was well about 30s. 32, 33, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was... He came from Rangers, didn't he? And he yeah. played superb football at 36 years old for us. Yeah. 35, yeah. 36 years old. And again, it was the manager at the time picked, play, bought players in, Holloway and Barker and that to do the running for him. Yeah. Like we did with, like Walnut did with Tarat, mm. you know. Give the ball to him and let him do his magic. I think, and it was watching a magician. I think, we, we, you know, it's like, listen, I'm joking about what I said about Steve Wicks, no one really knew about it before. Of course, if we had that connection with them, not down the road, because he was famous. But we, as far as I was concerned, we got Steve Wicks from Derby and Ray Wilkins came from Glasgow Rangers. They never played for them, not. But he was a young captain. You can't ignore what he did for that team. But what I will remember about um, Ray was the time he played Liverpool in the FA Cup, he was by far the best player on the pitch. Um, he, yeah, he couldn't run, and then he scored. There was a goal on YouTube that was put up the other day. Th- who were we playing? Was it Southampton or something? Where he just side footed it over the, you know, li- li- looped it into the net. Mm. And his his brain was amazing. As a, I mean, he used to say it. He would stand that midfield. He'd release it to whoever was a Wegley, whoever, just putting balls through constantly, putting the right ball through, reading the game really well, encouraging the kids as well. What and, and also. One of my memories as well, when I went to um, the uh, Alan McDonald game, when Ray was there, it was the, all these players who were all my heroes in that era were just sitting there and focused. He still was the, the dad of everyone. He was still the one in control, telling people what they should do, making sure everyone got in the coach to go back to the hotel and everything. He still had so much respect. When you see professionals give someone that respect, it says so much about them as a person. Yeah, and I think he was a brilliant person. Yeah, and it also he is a really nice guy. He lives in the area where I live mm. and see him at the, the golf club and stuff. And he's there with his, well, if you go up to him, like, right, shake his hand or you're at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are sitting there going, it's Ray Wilkins, it's Ray mm. Wilkins. And he'll come over and shake your hand mm. and say hello and ask how everyone is. It's just, you know, nice. It's, it's, it's hard to find people to say a bad word about him. Well, yeah, well, as, as I say, we wish him all the best. Hopefully he makes a, a, a recovery. Now, we've got a missed call on my phone. From my mother? No, got missed call from Steve Wicks. Oh. So maybe we're there. Should we see if he's there? Okay, here we go again. Take two. Steve, better late than never. Good to talk to you. We we've just been um, chatting about one of your ex teammates uh, and of, and a QPR legend, Ray Wilkins. You, you guys were at Chelsea together in the late seventies. He, he's yeah. obviously not been very well uh, 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 the last few days. What are your memories of Ray? I think I met Ray 12 um, and we were together at Chelsea and um, even at 12 you could you would think that he was a leader of, he would grow to be a leader of men he had the respect of every, everyone at 12 he was probably the finest footballer I've ever seen at the age of 16 um, and just grew and grew and grew and uh, in very very Desperate times at Chelsea when things were going woefully wrong financially. He was a talisman. He was the leader of a group of boys that did really well under severe pressure. Put it that way. Thank you. Uh, uh, and okay, Steve. So, so uh, um, 
I suppose moving to you and your time at QPR, um, for, for many fans will have very fond memories of you. For those who, who are perhaps slightly younger, to recap, you had two spells at QPR. You played 200-odd games. You won the second division championship. You played in a League Cup final that we all try our best to forget when you were at QPR. Oh. Um, do, you, do you sigh at that as much as everybody else does, that 1986 Milk Cup final? I, yeah, I think what happened was, if you look at our run to the final, it was so much harder than Oxford. We, we beat, ended up beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. We went to Liverpool, who were the European champions at the time. Um, Notts Forest, we played. Watford away. It was a really hard run. And I think that... Um, you know, uh, well, how can I say that maybe, just maybe, some of the players thought we'd done enough without winning the game, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't we didn't play to our full potential. Um, Oxford came to the final having, you know, literally not a thing to lose because they were the underdogs. And sometimes that happens. But it was a, the saddest moment of... Uh, of my career for the QPR fans well, and the fact that my, my mum had terminal cancer at that time hmm. and it was one of the last games she ever saw and I just wanted to have a great day for her um, and it didn't work out for all of us but um, you know it, it was it was a, a very very sad day because we didn't do ourselves justice on that day no well what, what do you think with that because we had um, so we had we had Johnny Byrne on a, a few years ago and he was saying it's because we were cooped up in the hotel too long together, and people got bored or something. And and, um, with, and also, I could never understand why Faraday didn't start that game either. But that's just hindsight, I guess. Yeah, well, I think I think when you're in a, a cup final, I think you are together for a long, long time, and I think you you tend to get bored, and 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 a huge amount of nervous energy goes. Um, and we were the favourites, and I don't think QPR. You know, I think QPR's success in 1967, for instance, they went to Wembley having nothing to lose. And I think when you're the favourite of a cup final, there's an added pressure. But I think our players weren't used to that pressure. Liverpool players would be, Man United players would be, and it was there was this ex- expectation going around the whole club that we were just going to walk out there and win the game. Hmm. And you know, and I know, that football doesn't work like that. Well, that well, well if, it, if that was your worst memory as a QPR player, what was your best one? My best memory as a QPR fan was, without a uh, QPR player, sorry, was uh, at Liverpool. When we got to Wembley, when you get to Wembley, it's very special, but to get to Wembley at Anfield, you've climbed Everest. Mm. And that was, that was, and I remember we had, I don't know how many thousands of people had gone up from QPR, but they were unbelievable that night. They, you know, that that saying the twelfth man uh, has been used in, in, and is used in a funny way. They were our twelfth man, and the nine thousand, I believe, that travelled up that day. Um, and I remember going into the literally going into the crowd after the game. It was unbelievable, fantastic evening. Uh, 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 we asked on Twitter who, who's got a question for you, and we had a few things come in. There, there was sort of quite an intriguing one that I wanted to ask you. So a few years before that, this is a question from Jules, that there was this sort of curious moment where Barcelona came in for QPR's manager. Um, uh, and when Terry Venables 
uh, the manager of, 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 of little old QPR, quote-unquote, went to Barcelona. You were there at the time, and Jules wants to know, what was it like under Venables, and, and what was it like when Barca came calling? It was, a, it was probably <clears throat> the, the most incredible, saddest moment. We had players finding each other, saying, you know, he was literally... There's a very similar feeling, I think, in the Premiership now, and that's Potocino at Tottenham. Mm. That togetherness that he's created at Tottenham. And Terry was very similar to that. Everyone absolutely had the utmost respect for him. And he was, you know, he was God in a lot of players' eyes. He was, he was everything he said, we believed. Um, and obviously, it got back to other people how good he was. And he was, in my opinion, the English pep 30 years before his time. Um, and what he taught us and what he said to us and how he coached us was way above everything, anything I'd ever experienced in my career. And he was something very, very special. And fair, fair dues to Barcelona to, to be doing their research where, you know, a manager of, a, of QPR was, a, you know, was on their radar. You know, but he was very special. Very special person. Do you follow Rangers these days, Steve? Sorry? Do you follow the team these days? Of course I do, yeah. You know, QPR is my, you know, my, I always look, and I must be honest, and all those Chelsea people, people and QPR people, I always look at those two results. And, um, you know, I, I hear a lot, of, a lot of stick towards Chelsea people, but at the end of the day, you know, because Chelsea were your first club and you end up signing for QPR, doesn't mean you aren't, you aren't going to try 100% for QPR and it means the world to you to play for QPR because it was the greatest time of my career. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, there's been, you know, if we look at history, the two best managers that, that, that QPR have ever had were Dave Sexton and Terry Venables and they held from Chelsea. You know, um, lots of players, Johnny Hollings, David Webb, came from Chelsea to QPR, and they gave everything. I'd like to think that the supporters out there realise that I gave everything. Um, and also, on a day like today, when we've already spoken about Ray, does it really matter? That's what I ask people. Ah. I think most, although there is a, a, let's call it a healthy rivalry, rivalry I think Jose Basingua apart, uh, fans pretty much judge the players by the, uh, the players and the managers on the contribution they make to the team when they're at QPR. Uh, and, and that's yeah. no different in your case, certainly. What, what do you make of the team and the, the situation that the club finds itself in at the moment, Steve? Well, I find it really sad. Uh, but I have some sympathy but Tony Fernandez, I really do. I think Tony Fernandez, to me, came to the club. He's, he made promises, but you can't ever. No one can ever say he didn't put his money where his mouth was, because he has spent an absolute fortune. And actually, with the, the managers he's had, Mark Hughes, Harry Redknapp, he actually deserves better because he gave them everything. And I think they spent a huge amount of money. His money on very, very average players and also played huge salaries on very, very 
average players. So do you think and he I was think... let down by the managers, his managers? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, I think what Tony did, which is a little bit, I found a little bit strange, was <clears throat> he employed people at the club that weren't football, football people and didn't understand the industry, which for a very, very successful businessman, you know, it, you know, there's no other... Football is a very, very intricate... You've got to look at everybody because they want money off you. And I think that the fact that he didn't employ football people, biggest mistake, and also, more importantly, people that love the football club, where they would have you know, protected the, as well as his. And that's where I think he went wrong. And I think, you know, the euphoria that was going with UPR in terms of getting into the Premier League, you know, and it came out time and time again, the wealthiest board in, the, in football. I think everyone got carried away. And when you look at certain people that rode that wave, uh, where are they now? You know, where are the the the, the people that, that that were there when we were in the Premiership? Where are they now? That's actually stuck by it. As I see it, it's Tony Fernandez, which you've got to give him credit for. And he's still getting stick now, but uh, but um, you know, I think that QPR have turned the corner a little bit. I think we're not sweating over over relegation. Some very good young players have come into the side. And the future is looking brighter. And what we've got to do, I've, you know, I've, I've got a Facebook where I listen to and read what QPR fans say. And there's a big group that moan every week. And, you know, diversity achieves nothing. What we've got to do is get together. And actually, I'm quite looking forward to next season. And it's been a long time since I've said that. Yeah, me too. Um, and, I, and I think Ian Holloway, under incredible um, sort of, you know, I think he's done brilliant to, to, to achieve what we've achieved. You know, and I think he should be given the respect that um, he deserves. And that is absolutely fair enough. And um, I think you're right, it has definitely been let down by people and the board were very naive. But Steve, going back to 86, don't beat yourself up too much by that big man. I think everyone was rubbish that day. Um, and um, yeah, and um, yeah. I, listen, listen, we stopped Liverpool doing the treble. How many teams have ever done that in history? <laughs> so it wasn't so bad. Now listen, Steve, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the wonderful dreams you gave QPR fans. I mean, you were rock solid at that defence and you were more than forgiven for playing for the lot down the road. Um, you became an absolute cult legend at the club. And um, yeah, Well, well, you, you know something, I, I, um, there are many, many days where um, I think back in, and have the most, most fantastic memories of those supporters that, that, that were incredible to me. And that's why this club will always be very special. Yeah. My relationship I had with the supporters, which were was something special. And um, I'll never forget it. And I'll take that to my grave. And uh, I just want QPR now to give... I, do, I just hope that we all achieve what we want and that success for the club. And that's great stuff. Thing. And, and you also had a, a song named after as well. Not many people get there <laughs> in a good way. Mate, listen, thank you so much for giving up your time for the podcast tonight. We cannot thank you enough. And also, my pleasure. one day come into the studio, we'll have a proper chat about some of the things you 
you can tell us um, on and off this thing about what was really going on at the club sometimes and some of the stories. Yeah, no problem at all. You're a good man. I'm, I'm thinking of writing a book. It'll be very interesting. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I don't no. think you'll have any shortage of QPR fans who will want to read that book. Maybe we should book you in the same time as Peter Hooker. All right, big man. Oh, Hooker. Peter. Yeah. A legend in his own lunchbox. That's ah. the one. <laughs> Played for Man United, you know. On loan, didn't play a game. He, but he, he was great uh, entertainment. He was a very big part of the. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll say about that squad, which was a very special squad, was everyone had the ability to laugh at themselves. And trust me, the amount of stick that went around in that dressing room, you needed to be able to laugh at yourself. Big that's fun. What made it special. He was a big fan of Alan Mullery. Uh, Alan Mullery. Well, I, I, I don't think so. I think actually. Uh, I think, you know, listen... I'm being sarcastic. Whoever followed Fergie, whoever followed Venice, was never going to succeed. Never going to succeed. You're not wrong, man. You're not not wrong. wrong. Steve, you take care of yourself, mate. Hopefully see you down range one day. Cheers. Thank you, Steve. Cheers, big man. Thanks again. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Uh, am I being really uh, stereotypical of a mid-1980s centre-back playing the way that he did that I didn't expect him to talk like that not really I mean what do you expect to talk like Hilda Ogden you kind of I, 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 I don't know if, I don't think no I, but I expected him type. yeah like a bit so. more gruff a bit more sort of spitting like. sawdust type yeah. let's say you'd be surprised I remember the first time I met Alan McDonald I was really surprised that he, Alan was pretty quiet Oh, you know, we met him and stuff like that. I mean, man, you probably bored him shitless, that's probably why. But, you know, you do, you do get surprised. And you have, like, meet Paul Parker, who was, like, probably the most cockney person I've ever met in my life, mm. with the biggest booming voice. And, you know, they're all different. But he was, to be fair, we, we, we didn't do enough justice. He was a class defender. I mean, no. Big Bob Hazel, Fennig, Rhoda. God, we were spoiled. We were spoiled. And it was lovely to hear him. It's only a shame that because of timings and he didn't pick up first time and all the rest of it we could, couldn't get into it perhaps as much as we, we would have liked to but we will next time we'll speak do, to him again do you know what's funny I, I, I wasn't in London at the time but I, I, would, I would love to be in, in London at the time that Venables was going to Barstow and I wonder how many people actually thought that was a wind up because he was nuts, he was going to buy the club because the thing was if he'd have stayed he was going to buy QPR that was the story that was going to run at the time so maybe this is why we believed that Roberto Baggio was going to sign that was just ridiculous I remember that Right, ours end, because we have overrun. Paul, right, you're going to have 30 seconds. Jesus, you sound like the tax man. Go. Um, no, the... <laughs> sounded a crap joke, I apologise for that. Um, no, I'd just like to thank Andy Evans and the community department, because my sister works in a pre-school down by Latimer Road, and they've been having a few problems, real problems, and... Kind of they're very much on the, on the knees with some of the things that are going on down there, I'm very depressed. These kids are in the last chance saloon. Of, of, of getting a school and getting an education and she got in touch with Andy Evans he sent two people down from the community department they are changing lives that community department every day of the week and I know I moan about QPR badly and they give me a lot to moan about that community department is superb Andy thank you for going down and sorting my sister's school like you're an absolute legend and a gent and that's why I love our football club and so say all of us, and I have a nice segue into my R's end, which is partly connected with Andy Evans and the community department. So we have, this is to do with our live podcast, which we're announcing tonight, launching tonight, which is on 8th of May. 
But credit to John Cannelly, one of our patrons. So we have a set of patrons who, at the start of the season, um, support us on, on the podcast. And one of the things they get is a free ticket to the live end-of-season podcast. John can't go and suggested that all patrons who can't go donate their tickets for the live podcast to Andy Evans in the community department. And also watch this space and what could be happening in the podcast tonight in, as well. Indeed. So Andy Evans is coming down. There's a handful of them coming down from the community department to the live podcast. So thank you, John, for that suggestion. Just to tell you all, tickets are now on sale for the live end of season show. This is um, the last podcast of the year after the season has ended. We do it in front of a live studio audience. Uh, we're hold, holding it at the Camden Roundhouse, which is thanks very much to Joe, our guest the other week. Uh, it's on Tuesday the 8th of May, so Tuesday night, the night after the bank holiday. Tickets are a tenner. And you can get them on our website. Go to qprpod.co.uk. Then at the top of the website, you'll see QPR Pod Live. Click on that and you can buy your tickets. The special guest will be announced in due course. We have previously had Trevor Sinclair, Mark Bircham, uh Rodney Marsh, various others, Neil Warnock. We know who we I think have... Kevin Gallon's been on a couple of times. Kevin Gallon's been on a couple of times. We know who we think we have got but they are still involved with another they are still involved in football and their football club season hasn't finished you yet. haven't booked so Basingua, we have you? yeah so Basingua, we, we, Hitley and Mark exactly. <laughs> so we can't say who they are but we will in the next couple of weeks hopefully so buy your ticket it will be a great night Steve Burrow's <laughs> definitely coming uh, Mark I'm not I'm going to try and do this quicker than 30 seconds because I had a pre-planned ours end so um I just want to tell a story about uh, and give a shout out to uh, a friend of ours called Yuki. He's a North Korean, now QPR fan. He got sent over here by his family because he, he was living in Tokyo. Um, because of the Olympics, they sent him over to learn English. Anyway, he was living in London on itself. And um, a friend, John McCook, and a few friends of ours, they went up to Preston. And they saw this uh, this Asian guy standing at the station with a QPR scuff a bit lost, mm. and they and he was they offered to help him out, sent him towards the ground, but realised that you know it was twelve fifteen, so they took him to the pub, and then three years later he was coming to every game. Uh, at one point he was living in Malta, flying over for every home game. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. He does listen every week, so Yuki. Uh, or UKIP, as, as, we, as we started calling you, unfortunately. Um, we miss you, mate, and hopefully we'll get you over soon for a trip. Good one. Brilliant. Hi, Yuki. One of our best, best ever RZN, that was. Ross, last word goes to you. No pressure, but Paul has okay. just called Mark's RZN the yeah, best Yeah, no, I'll bring ever. it down. Don't worry. Uh, easy one. It's just get the players signed up quick who we're keeping. Let us know and get the youngsters signed to long contracts. Let's not let them walk out the door dirt cheap like we've done before. Second best I was end of it. Right, next week, I think we're doing Monday, aren't we? Because there's a game next Tuesday. So we won't be recording on the Tuesday night. We'll be recording on the Monday. So it'll be after the whole whole game. We've got Hull away, Sheffield yeah. Wednesday at home. Yeah, so it'll be before the Sheffield Wednesday game. Thank you very much for listening. Join us at the live podcast on the 8th of May. Thanks very you much. You haven't mentioned. I haven't mentioned once. It's been open all else. No, it's not the end because we forgot to do predictions as we've been reminded. But Neil has a metaphorical gun to our heads telling us we you have to be quick. You utter bin lid. So, Hull away. The score will be Ross. 1-0 QPR. Paul. 2-0 QPR. Me. 3-0 QPR. You now have to go 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
No, it's 2-1 because we always go behind and then we're going to come back and win like we usually do. Very or good. Or like we have been doing anyway. So. And then we've got Sheffield Wednesday, which is fine because we've got next week's predictions. We've got next week's predictions. Neil, quick enough for you? You happy with that? Thumbs up. This really has been QPR Podcast. Open all ours. Good night. You us. QPR.